Recently, we received news from the president that our economy had 0% inflation in the month of July. President Biden is misleading the American people on inflation. It is true that energy went down, but other important items went up, like food. Over the previous month, food was up 12% on an annualized basis for the month of July. Electricity was up 19.2% on an annualized basis in July. Just to name a few items that went up in July besides food and power, new cars and trucks, medical care and shelter were all costing you more. Don't believe what Biden is saying to you about zero inflation. Look at your checkbook or your credit card statement. You must protect your family from the ravages of inflation. You need to find out if gold is right for you. Go to blackandwhites.us and on the homepage, click on the gold bar and get connected to our gold guru, Ira, at Advisors Metals. And ask Ira, is gold right for me? It's time for Black and White, a show that wants to bring all of us together talking again about the issues that concern us. It's time to hear from people who only want to deal with facts. It's time for you to re-engage in your right of American free speech. It's time for Black and White. Welcome back to Blacks and Whites. And joining us right now is Michael Letts, United States Army veteran and a South Carolina law enforcement. He's here to do two things. One's to talk about the impact of the raid at Mar-a-Lago on local and state police, and also about his organization that provides protection vests for police officers. So Michael, welcome to the show. Dan, it's always a privilege. We appreciate what you're doing to keep America informed. That's the only way we're gonna survive. Right, so tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about your organization, then we'll talk about Mar-a-Lago. Invest USA was a public charity I started in 1993, almost 30 years ago. It was to provide bulletproof vests for officers. At the time, 52% of officers had no vests at all. I understand you've got 1.2 million officers across the country, so 52%, that's 600 plus thousand officers with no protection. We got that down to about 20% then, and we were getting excited that most of our officers were going to be protected. Then they got smart. They decided because the vest we were providing was the only one available at the time. It's called a concealable vest. It's what you see them put under their shirt. It will stop any sidearm, pistol. It will not stop a rifle. Rifle will go right through it. So the criminal element began to use AK-47s, long-range rifles, et cetera, began to target our first responders, our law enforcement. So we had to go back to the drawing board. We had to create a new vest called an active shooter vest, which is titanium plates. It will stop literally anything that's on the street. The problem, Dan, right now is 90% of officers do not have access to these vests. And as you are very well aware, they're being targeted all across the country. Yes. We have the highest death rate we've ever had in history of officers. We have the lowest morale. And we've had the highest suicide rate of officers across the country. So it's vital that we make sure that we protect this thin blue line because, quite frankly, Dan, I tell people what you are seeing in the news is not happenstance. It's a well-orchestrated, well-planned out. Uh, movement to make sure that they control the populace. You know, you cannot control a populace that's armed. So they have for some time been attempting to make sure that they remove the Second Amendment and remove firearms. Well, they know one of the things in removing a firearm is who's going to take it. They understand that city and state police officers are the people that go to Walmart with you. They go to church with you. They're less likely to do an unconstitutional move than they would be if they don't know who you are. So they have made an asserted attempt to discredit our law enforcement officers, to defund the police, to villainize the police, to not provide them with the necessary equipment. 
to cause them to want to quit and go home so they can put together a federal police force. They're already doing this to him. If you look at the Capitol bill, there's $682 million for the U.S. Capitol this coming year. The problem with that number is they're only required to guard four blocks. $682 million, you do the math. Because when you look at there, they've got offices that are opening all across the country. I didn't realize we had Capitol buildings in Miami and other places. So they're setting the stage. And why would they need a federal force to do that? Typically, what happens, uh, Dan, is if you hire somebody from South Carolina on a federal level, they don't work in South Carolina. They move them to California so that they're distanced from any connection, any relatives, any friends, and much more likely to do what needs to be done without having the peer pressure of people they've grown up with. So that's where we're headed. Now, this is moved into the stage with mar largo talking about that. They have politicized our federal agencies, and we can see that very clearly over the last two decades. Started with Hillary Clinton, 30,000 emails that were subpoenaed. Now, you and I both know, for me, from a law enforcement standpoint, if you destroy a subpoenaed document, that's deep trouble. She destroyed 30,000 of them, scrubbed them with absolutely no repercussions. Like I said, if you and I had done that, they'd have found us 10 feet under the jail. You go to the next stage, President Obama. He, when he left, he took 30 million documents. Many of those were classified. But he worked it out just to hand them back. They're still, in fact, they're still working that out. From what I've been, uh, I see is there's a lot of documents they've identified that he's supposed to return. And this has been 10 years and he still hasn't returned. But you saw no raid, no anything along those lines. Then you go to the next phase. You look at Hunter Biden when his father was the vice president. And of course, now as the de facto commander in chief, shall we say, um, there's a very troubling things on that computer. The FBI has had it for years and has not taken any action on it. I challenge people across the country, tell me a case where the federal agency has appropriately responded to a leftist organization in terms of pursuing a criminal investigation. I can tell you day in and day out, they pursue the right side. Uh, they call the right wing or the conservatives. They're not pursuing the left. And so they're giving an impression to the American public that they have very much politicized what's going on and they can't be trusted. The problem with that, Dan, is most people, when they see a badge, don't realize is it a federal, state, or local. They paint everybody with the same brush. Once you begin to lose trust in your law enforcement system, it all begins to collapse. The thin blue line begins to collapse and you begin to have total disregard for authority, total disregard for what's being done on the streets, violence. You know, we've got 139% violent spiral increase across the country. And when that happens, we go into anarchy, we go into chaos. And we're quickly headed that way, Dan, and it's a frightening thing. But the great part about it is we do have the ability, still as Americans, to stand up, to intervene, and say, this is our country. We're going to defend it. We're going to defend our freedoms. Well, thank you for that. That was, that was uh, terrific. Um, uh, uh, my job is to, um, is to give you, the, every guest, the opportunity to speak their mind. And then once they've had their say, I get a chance to ask some questions. Looking forward which, to it. Which you may or may not like. <laughs> I'm looking um, forward to it, Dan. I'm an open book. Okay. Um, I, I 
really want to ask this question because for the longest time, the, le the left in this country has been weaponizing everything from the letter alphabet companies to the departments in the, in the government, the FBI and everybody else. Correct. And, um, but the right in the country says, well, that's really the leadership of these organizations. It isn't the rank and file. And I, I honestly, honestly, Michael, used to believe that was true. But I have, I, I look at what happened uh, at Oliver Stone's house. I've had Oliver Stone on the program recently. And I look at what happened at Mar-a-Lago. They were not high ranking officials that were breaking through the gates at Mar-a-Lago or through his house. These are rank and file FBI agents. And I served in the military, you served in the military. And there's, there's, a, there's a rule where you have some degree of freedom of choice as to whether you're gonna follow the command order if you think it's harm, harmful to you and to your fellow soldiers. Correct. I look at what's going on, and I'm 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 no longer on the side that excuses the rank and file, and tries to blame everything on the the command, the chain of command. I look at what I look at what happened, for example, in 2020, the riots in Seattle and all uh, other places, where the government leader, the mayor or the chief of police, told the police officers, the rank and file to stand down and they watched buildings being burned, people being shot and killed, rocks and bottles and everything else, and they didn't do anything. And so I think that they, they basically abandoned their oath of office to preserve and protect the, the community that they serve. And so I'm less less of a believer that the rank and file are not also gullible and responsible for what's going on because of many different reasons. How do you react to that? Well, interesting, Dan, I actually agree with you. I remember we do this all across the country. So we literally have thousands and thousands and thousands of officers that we have acquaintances and friendships with. And I can tell you, to break it down, it is the leadership, corrupt leadership, that instigates. But this is what I tell the guys. You have to make a decision on your moral compass. You cannot, just because it's been ordered to do so, validate that and hide behind the aspect, well, that's what I was told to do. Especially when you know it's wrong and it's unconstitutional. And that is where we're at now. And I understand the dilemma that they're in, Dan. You know, this is my job. I mean, this is how I pay my white bill, et cetera. But there comes a point in time in this country where you have to stand for principle and value or you lose it all. We are at that point now. And quite frankly, the rank and file are in that position. They're either going to have to step up to the plate and do the right thing or they will be held accountable as well. Michael, I, I appreciate that. Let me let me go one step further. Um, I believe one incident created tremendous damage to the both the morale of the police force 
and the trust and confidence of the American people into the police force. And that's what happened to the response rate of the police in the school shooting in Texas. I agree. There were 40 officers who stood around for almost an hour and a half and didn't do anything. And I, I said to, to people when I was reporting on this story, if I were a police officer, uh, I can see myself standing at that door and I can hear the shots being fired and the children screaming. But I would be afraid that if I went crash through the door and in an effort to try and take down the shooter, which is my job, it's my priority, uh, I inadvertently shot and killed a child. And I believe I would have been crucified by the media as a, of, of, the, of, of shooting. So the discussion was not to go through the door, yet children were being shot and killed. So I don't think America is over that incident when, when, they, when they had 40 officers who stood around and did nothing. Actually, at the end of the day, you had 396 officers that were in that school system. At one particular time, I'm talking about a critical ratio time, we had 125. Dan, there is literally no excuse. I have talked about this on shows all across the country. I know they're my friends, they're my fellow brothers, but quite frankly, let me explain so your listeners can understand where we're at. I just met with a young lady from New Orleans, a female officer, shot in the line of duty. I reviewed the tape. I said, you had the opportunity for the advantage. Why did you not take it? And her response was, I was scared that if I shot, it would cost me more to justify. I could go to jail, et cetera. I hesitated. So they shot her, almost killed her. I, that's the dilemma we're in now. This is what I'm telling people. We have to have a justice system that will back the split-second decision because we're trying to do the right thing, period. Well, I agree with you. It's, it's important that we have to do the right thing. Um, and speaking of the right thing, we have to take a quick break. Uh, and we've been talking to, to, is it Levin, is that correct? Let's. Let's. Mike mm -hmm. Let's uh, about his work and uh, about the police. And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. The federal government just reported that the rate of inflation for the last 12 months was 8.5%, close to a 40-year high. This is Dan Perkins with Blacks and Whites. Prices continue to rise on other commodities besides oil. I ask you, what are you going to do to protect your money and your investment? It's time for you to take a serious look at gold for your portfolio. If you've had enough empty promises and misleading statements by the Biden government, isn't it time for you to take control of your money and your future? Go to blacksandwhites.us and on the homepage, click the bar of gold to be taken directly to IRA and Advisors Metals to ask the question, is gold right for me? This is Dan Perkins. We're back with Michael Letts and we're talking about, we were talking about the school shooting in Texas and the lack of response on the part of 40 to 300, depending on your number. So let me tell you what I did as a result, as, as an investigative reporter, um, I started to look into all of the legislation that's being proposed in, in cities all around the country and school districts. And I found something very strange. 
I found a school district, a major city school district, that's never had a child shot in school. Never. Interesting. So I called and I said, first of all, I called a, a friend of mine, a black talk show host. He said, you're right. Uh, I don't ever remember that happening. Now, what's strange about it is that the city is the most dangerous city for children. That's Chicago. Wow. But there have been, never been any incidents that I can find. And I spoke to the Chicago Board of Education. And I said, how is it possible that a, a school system in the, in, the, in the various districts in the city of Chicago has not had any shootings in the school? What are you doing that's different? And what can we learn from you? Right. And the response was really quite straightforward. First of all, there is an armed police officer in every school for the entire time that the school is open. Okay. Number one, there's only one door to get into the school. All the other ones are secured. And number three, every school has a metal detector. So whether you've got a gun, a knife, or whatever it is, you, you can't get through the metal detector. All right, you're alerted that it's there. Yeah, and so what happens is guns don't get into the school, knives don't get into school, and other weapons don't get into the schools. So the people who want to do something bad don't have the physical weapons to kill a lot of people. So right. the city of Chicago has figured out, the school district has figured out the way to make the schools safe for our children, one door, one police officer, and a metal detector. And everybody goes through that metal detector, past that police officer, and he's there all day, every day, the school is open. That doesn't right. stop people from getting shot in the parking lot or the playground as they're going through the school, but in the school building, no shots. Seems to me like a pretty simple solution of how we can make schools more secure and deal with shootings rather than try and pass all kinds of laws to get rid of certain kinds of guns. What do you think? I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, let me, I'm glad you're mentioning that. Let's talk about the next phase of what our discussion was. We just had the phase about officers. Let's talk about the future. Because here's what happens, uh, Dan, with the scenario that we have painted in the previous episode we did, you're losing officers every day. The thin line is breaking and there's nobody to step up. Our young people don't want to do that. So how are we going to address this issue? How are we going to show our young people, as you're talking about in schools, that it's a noble calling, that it's protective, that it's worthwhile? And one of the things that we do is just what you talked about, first of all. We make sure that we have an officer in every school. We make sure there's one point of entry. That was what was supposed to happen in Uvalde. Quite frankly, here's the interesting thing about Uvalde. We were fixing to go down there within two weeks and hand out vests. I've had to put that on hold because those people are so upset down there, Dan. I, I don't need to get lynched, quite frankly. Um, right. And they have they have cause. They have, they have, they have probable cause to be that. But that was what was supposed to happen at Uvalde. Of course, they didn't take it serious. There were doors that were left open. And the whole thing fell apart. But back on what we're talking about here, you have to make sure that we project to young people respect for life and authority. And we've lost that. You see, that was part of what we talked about, this orchestrated movement as to how you eliminate guns and how you remove the Second Amendment. They made sure that they took God out of schools. Now, people say you're being religious. No, 
what I'm trying to say, when they took God out of schools, they took values out of school. They didn't just take the word God. They took values because they assumed that was part of religion. So we no longer had a respect for life and authority. And now we're having young people that just would just soon shoot an officer as he would to say, hey, I've got a busted taillight. Let me fix it. We've had that happen. I don't know how many times across the country. But the point back to what you're talking about, Dan, is if we as a collective society put a premium on the value of our kids and we can kill two birds with one stone. You see, Governor DeSantis is doing this in Florida right now. We're partnering with this in taking retired law enforcement officers or those who just have had enough and are not doing it anymore, putting them in the school system, allowing them to be teachers so that because most of these officers have enough time where they're still carrying their credentials, retired or uh, certified, but they still carry weapons. So now we have a litera of officers that are teachers in the school system, providing a positive role model, providing protection, and doing some things, quite frankly, Dan, that really need to be done. We have allowed our school system to be taken over by leftist liberals. And um, unfortunately, it's time that we take it back because, quite frankly, they're determining what the next generation is going to be like. I, I absolutely totally agree. I, I, in fact, I'm working on a new commentary because I do quite a bit of writing on commentary. And the working title is Take Back America by Taking Back Our Children First. There you go. Take back our children first. Hey, I, I think that's that we, you and I are right on cue. And here's what I tell people in speeches that we do across the country: if we solve the problem today and protect our officers, they're not going to live forever. They're going to have to retire. So who's going to step up and take their place? If we don't take a look at that issue and solve it effectively by taking back our educational system, we accomplish nothing. We bought us a couple years, and that's it. That's not where we want to be, Dad. We want to make this country safe and free once again. You know, um, I saw um, the governor of Texas for the last month or so has been putting illegal immigrants on buses and send them to New York City and Washington, D.C. Yes. And, and the mayors of both cities have, have become outraged. And Correct. I, I, I find it amazing that they're being outraged because they're, they claim um, that they're supposed to be sanctuary cities, and uh, but they don't want to provide sanctuary to those people coming across the border illegally. Um, the, the border police is, is, a, is a different kind of police. It's not your, your city police force. It's a different police force in a very difficult job uh, at the border. And it, it appears that not only are we going to have record numbers of the illegals coming across the, the country, uh, the border, uh, there are some people now saying we may have over a million getaways this year, a million Correct. people who are not caught who come into this country, bring in drugs, arms, whatever, sex trafficking. And, and yet we have an administration who still doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. And, and the police forces seem to be hamstrung because they've been redirected, the border police, uh, in, in administrative functions that they can no longer do their job as far as trying to protect the order. It is the same with the diminishment of the number of police officers in community police forces. Correct. Is that also a problem that there, there just aren't enough policemen to respond to illegal activities? 
Well, you're, that's exactly the case. Here's the point, and when we talk about even the young people program that we just talked about, when does America decide what their priorities are? Because if you want, and remember all the polling for the upcoming midterm elections, even above the rate of inflation, the lousy economy, et cetera, show that the number one concern for the American people is community safety, is feeling safe. So when are we going to translate that and do something about it? We've got to put the resources in if we're going to make a difference. And when you talk about the border, we've been to the border three times so far handing out vests. We've handed out vests to the Border Patrol. We've handed out vests to the Sheriff's Department. We've handed out vests to the city departments. Here's what I find every time we're down there, Dan. Those Border Patrol agents have literally zero respect for this administration. They know they're being hamstrung. They know they're catching the blame for it. They're good people. Um, but they're being given bad directives. And it's time you, we get to this point, you and I talked about it in your last show. At what point in time do you say enough is enough and I just have to do the right thing? I think we're there. I, what I don't understand, and, and you can certainly help me. Um, I, I, I understand that morale is low. I understand that many police forces are desperately short of policemen. And by your own words, a few moments ago, uh, you can't seem to find people to, to want to be police officers. Correct. And you, you you use a very important word called resources. But what are the resources that would attract a person to become a policeman that they're not there today? Well, very simple. I'm glad you asked that question, Dan. It's a restructuring. First and foremost, we have to restructure our judicial system. Whether we like it or not, the truth of the matter is we have a two-tier justice system. Some people are prosecuted, others are not. We take people off the streets, they're back on within 24 hours. We have DAs, we have judges that are funded by George Soros and his liberal agenda who make it a point to get these people back on the street and prevent them from being held accountable for their actions. So the first thing we have to do is we have to put together a system that provides a one-tier justice system, which is what our country was founded on, and make sure that when we do that, that we hold people accountable. I think that's the issue is accountability. We, how do you hold people accountable? The other thing we have to do besides having that one-tier justice system, Dan, is we have to allow the American people the ability to recall. If you're elected and you decide that you don't feel like it's your obligation to uphold your constitutional duty, I shouldn't have to wait four years till you come around again. I should be able to put together a campaign to recall you. Every elected official in America, I don't care if you're a dog catcher, I don't care if you're the president, should have the right to be recalled if you will not perform your constitutional duties. When you start doing that, you're showing a serious nature. Right now, our officers on the street know for a fact government doesn't back them. They don't care what happens to them. We're hopeful that the American people does, and that's why the INVEST program is so important. We want people to demonstrate that, hey, we care about making sure you come home safely to your family. But they're in a quandary, Dan. And quite frankly, they will determine the future of this country, whether we remain free or not. I understand. I mean, the uh, the, the DA in, in Los Angeles who was up for a recall uh, succeeded. He, they didn't get him out. That's correct. He's, he's, he's in the San Francisco, another story. But um, uh, I, I guess I'm still trying to figure out what other resources. I mean, some uh, Governor DeSantis for an extended period of time was offering a signing bonus to police right. officers who were in blue states to come to Florida 
to help man this police forces and, and not only get a good pay, but get a bonus for coming. Uh, is money a part of it, a significant part of it? It is a huge significant part of it. Let me tell you some quick statistics on your show. 80% of officers work for rural agencies. They don't work for NYPD, LAPD. NYPD, LAPD, maybe 70, 80,000 a year. They pay 100, maybe 100,000 a decent salary. Rural agencies, 20, 30 to 40. Dan, you can't make it on 20, 30, 40,000 a year. So they have to work extra shifts. So when are we going to show that they really are valued and they really care, they really matter? So as we come to the end of this show, tell us a little bit more about your foundation and how people can get in touch with you and help support you. They will go to www.investusa.org. It's a charity.org. There's a list of things they can do. Make sure if you can, you support providing them the protection they need with the vest. But if you can't do that, just tell an officer today, thank you for your service. It's going to make a huge difference, Dan. Michael, thank you for joining us today on Blacks and Whites. Thank you. God bless you and God bless America. And we'll be right back. Hello, this is Dan Perkins, and this message is just for moms. Are you worried about how much money you have lost in your investment account? Are you concerned if it will recover? Inflation is 9.1%, and I believe it's really higher than that, and I think you would agree. You have experienced rising prices for food, gasoline, and many other items. Isn't it time for you to consider investing in gold with some of your money to protect your future? Start by finding out if gold is right for you. Go to the Black and White's website and click on the gold bar. You'll get a couple of questions, and then we'll forward you on to Ira, our gold guru. He will help you figure out if it's right for you. Check it out.